1: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends.
3: If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses.
1: Season
0: 17.
3: Episode 26.
0: This is Writing
2: Excuses, hanging separately.
3: 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry.
2: And we should be hanging together. I'm Dan.
3: <laughs> I'm Zoraida. I'm Kayla.
2: I'm Howard and I'm stealing the, the thunder of our whole title. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Aw. Who was it who said that? <laughs> that was Benjamin Franklin. If we don't he hang together, when they were we shall-
0: plotting their revolution, if we do not hang together, we shall all hang separately, or some variation of that. Um, and so we want to talk about this time the pitfalls of an ensemble. If the ensemble fails, if the characters don't mesh, there's lots of different ways this can go wrong. We're going to talk about it. So let's start with that first. What are some ways that an ensemble can go wrong?
2: Well, and I I want to clarify here that we're not talking about the pros and cons, you know, the cons of an ensemble. We've already established that you're going to try and write an ensemble, um, what are the what are the common mistakes? What are the disasters? What are the uh, what are the failure p- failure points? And for me, the most common failure point is when we wait too long to bring them together or to bring them back together.
4: Right. Yeah. I have well, some examples.
2: Okay, let's hear. Uh,
4: one example to me, which is I guess this teeters on the success failure rate for me. I think that. Uh, the Defenders was a great show in the second half of the show, but as an ensemble, I to me, it failed to adhere like the adhesion of the characters waited too long. And yep. if I had if I hadn't gotten too d- deep enough into episode four, which I think is too late, I would have turned it
3: off.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I do think that there is room in the world for slow burn stories about teams coming together. Season one of Heroes did the same thing, uh, but a lot of it comes down to promise. Heroes promised, Mm -hmm. look, people all over the world are suddenly developing powers for no reason, and over the course of the season, we're gonna very slowly watch them begin to come together. The Defenders promised us, hey, all these other shows you love, this is the show where they team up, and then it didn't give us that for way
2: too long. And yeah. so it felt like a breach of promise. One of the mm-hmm. things, and, and this isn't necessarily an apologist approach to the Defenders, but one of the things <laughs> that made Daredevil so strong in its first season was that the four-act format of TV with commercial breaks wasn't being adhered to. And so uh, the flow of the show was much different. They Conversations went on longer than, They would have in broadcast TV, uh, you know, had this been something that had commercials in it. And so I feel like they leaned into that when they built the defenders and, and shouldn't have, they, we, we needed to put people together soon, uh, sooner. Um, Mm -hmm. But talking about the promise, um, the first suicide squad movie, the trailers promised me witty banter and antics and what I got was a depressing movie about criminals with bombs in their heads. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: there's room in the Thing's world for wrong. depressing stories about criminals with bombs in their heads. But okay. that's not what anybody wanted or thought they were getting from that particular story. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are some I mean, other ways? What are some other examples of ensembles that uh ensemble stories that that failed in some way?
4: Kayla, you are starting to talk.
3: Yeah. <laughs> She Let's just go doesn't want to call on public sorry. record,
0: ah, <laughs>
2: That's no. in somebody's art.
3: Well, hey, yeah. look, I
2: went on the record saying that I loved the Hobbit movies, so
3: <laughs> nobody's going to hate you more I than they hate them me. Too. <laughs> I, I really like a lot do. about well, them, but at the same time,
4: <laughs> look, I honestly, I feel like I'm most creator's ideal target because I really just want to be entertained right? Like I (laughs) will have a good time almost anywhere. Right. And I enjoy so much that I feel like my friends who have in their opinions, more discerning tastes. Um, (laughs) so like I, so when something, something like lets me down, I I feel really like passionate about it. Um, I actually watched, um, I watched oceans eight and i think that like as an ensemble cast i wasn't invested in them at all like i think it's like a powerhouse ca- actresses and then there was like it's like there was the tension that was that was there there was no cohesion and i think that when you don't have that bond between all of your ensembles and it just feels like there's just somebody there doing a job as opposed to we are, as opposed to the, like we said in previous episodes, we're all in this together.
3: Yes. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I think that the big draw of an ensemble story is the bond between the characters and how their bond affects the plot and how they have to come together in different ways in order to accomplish the thing that needs to be accomplished. So Mm -hmm. when you have characters who like don't, care about each other particularly um or don't get to a place where they care about each other that's a big letdown if you have characters who you're like i literally don't even know why you're here you know <laughs> like they just yeah. showed up in your house and you're like why are you here get out please you know except it's the movie or it's the book like i think that's I'm a, a big drummer letdown. and you have a couch Yeah, exactly <laughs> you're like what it's just- <laughs> why are you here ma'am you know um like the, anything that does that one, it throws you out of the story, of course, like most flaws, like will in a story, but two, like, those are the things like in an ensemble, everything gets compounded when you make mistakes in characterization or in the way that the characters affect the plot, because it will like keep pinging around all of the other characters in the ensemble. It would be a domino effect of like one character here doesn't have their motivation figured out. And we don't know why they're here. And then everyone interacting with them either has to address that as like an actual character point, or it gets confusing why these other capable characters aren't addressing that and why like all of their decision-making processes get affected by this person who we're like, why are you here though?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to create a dichotomy here. And this is, oh, this might just be the medication talking, but you're familiar <laughs> with the, the, the phrase uh, surprising yet inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, when you, when you write surprising yet inevitable, if you fail at inevitable, you've got deus ex machina and we hate you. (laughs) If you fail at surprising, um, we might just feel smarter than you. And that's actually not a bad thing if I've bought the book. (laughs) <laughs> and so I lean toward if I'm going to fail at surprising yet inevitable, I want to fail on the surprise. I don't want to fail on the inevitability. Mm. And the dichotomy I'm reaching for is what are the polls, you know, surprising on one pole, inevitable on the other pole. What are the polls for an ensemble? Like we, we hate each other, but we're a family or something. And, and you, if you have to pick, Which one to fail at? uh, Which one do you pick? Which one is worse? And I feel like, you know, if there's that thing where, you know, we argue with each other, but we are a family, uh, boy, howdy, let's let's err on the side of we're a family Mm -hmm. and make the arguments feel a little shallow rather than making the arguments feel uh, just un overcomable oh man that there's just not enough medication in the world for me to parse all these thoughts at once uh i i don't want to fail on that because at the end i don't have an ensemble i have a group of angry people who all got to be in a book together
3: yeah. <laughs> like a stressful we, thanksgiving <laughs> for everyone we're, we're
0: gonna pause here and hey writers are you thinking about learning a
5: new language For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today.
3: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
2: And did not fail uh, the expanse. Oh my goodness! Um, which one of us was going to pitch that? Well, yeah, I'm you, talking you, Soraya, you or yeah. you. <laughs> you do Both it, you of you. Um, I love, I love the adaptation of the expanse. It's it's its own masterclass in you know transmedia, you know translation from book to show. Yes. Um, but just as a show. Uh, the building of the ensemble, the setting up of the promises, the characterization, um, it's, it is is brilliant and beautiful and I love it and I've watched it end to end. Uh, end to end, you know, all the seasons probably three times, <laughs> but like the first four seasons because they're older, I think I may have gone through those eight times just turning it on while I did other things because I love the way those characters interact and they are in such horrible trouble so much of the time and they have so many reasons to fight with one another and yet they are a found family and they love each other even even their sociopath amos yes
4: oh my god amos forever i so i <laughs> I, I chose this, this the, Ex, the expanse too because it i started reading the book and the book is one of the best openings that i've read in a very long time and and this like and I'm ten years late to this book. Like I started it a month ago, <laughs> um, so you know it's for writers who are like worried that their work will never find a reader. Like I'm ten years late to this series, okay. Um, and and one of the things that I found while watch switching over to watch the the TV show. Was that everybody has their own clear motivation and reasons to stay together? And I think that when a book doesn't give me that, and that's and it's all subjective because I've read books that are ensemble casts that people love, and I'm just like, I don't get it. but it but it really is um, so tightly woven that I feel like I'm gonna have to go and watch it eight more times, like Howard.
0: so that is the expanse tv show that's our thing of the week uh and it's it's also a book series starting with leviathan wakes uh by james sa Corey.
2: so go real quick let me just say that the the books uh the series ended where the books took a big time jump forward and the ensemble would have had to change for one things we'd have to Age all the uh, all the actors up, um, and so the fact that there isn't an expanse season that takes us all the way through to the end of the whole proto-molecule, you know, galaxy-spanning whatever story, uh, is nicely illustrative of the understanding that people are watching this, even if they don't know it. They're watching it for the ensemble, and if we break the ensemble in order to push through into the big galactic story, um, people will be disappointed. The books can do it. It's really hard to keep that audience on TV though. Yeah. Uh, I will say as a closing note, if you are interested,
0: uh, Howard and I did an episode a few years ago with Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, who are the authors that make up James S. A. Corey. They wrote the books and they are the, the showrunners for the TV show. And, uh, so, look back through the Writing Excuses Archive and you can hear a lot more about (laughs) how they did that.
4: This is me discovering that they are two people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, James S. A. Corey is a pseudonym for Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank.
4: Incredible. Uh, But
0: let's talk about some more. uh, uh, While Kayla was talking earlier, a really cool example of a failed and then repaired ensemble came to mind, which is the TV show Parks and Recreation.
3: Mm,
5: um, yeah. And in the
0: first season, season and a half, they had Mark. And Mark was kind of intended to be, when that show first started, it was basically the office, but redone with a government office instead of a, a corporate office. And Mark was supposed to be the sardonic everyman. He was the gym of the cast. And then over time, as they refined their show, as they changed the focus of, Um, it stopped being a show about look at all these losers in their terrible job. And it started to be, hey, look at these good people who are trying their best in a crazy system that they have to work within. And once that focus changed, then Mark the Sardonic Everyman absolutely did not fit in the ensemble anymore because his job his, his archetype, so to speak, was to make fun of everybody else. But we liked everybody else. It was not the office that was full of misfits and, and losers anymore. It was full of people we genuinely loved. And so he did not fit. And they wrote him out of the show completely because he was a failed part of that ensemble. They brought in instead two other characters, Adam Scott and Rob Lowe, whatever their characters are named, I don't remember. Um, and they fit better because... They were part of the, you know, we're kind of strange people, but we love <laughs> our jobs, which the ensemble had morphed into. And so identifying why the ensemble doesn't work. Maybe it's just one character and you can tweak that character or change them completely. And then everything suddenly gels. Mm-hmm. So what are some other ways? um to fix a an ensemble? If an ensemble is broken, what are some things people can look at uh, to, to help identify the problem and then fix it? Um,
2: there's, there's a principle here that I learned when I was drawing a munchkin deck, <laughs> and that is that the customer... Uh, always knows when there's a problem, but never knows what the actual problem is. Yeah. Learning to listen to your alpha readers uh, or your beta readers, you know, and when they say, oh, the story's not working for me, I hate this one character. Does that mean that the character needs to be cut? Does that mean that the character needs to be made likable? Or does that mean that they need someone in the story to agree with them that this this character is being a jerk so they can feel vindicate vindicated in not liking this character and be okay to move on. Um it's it is really it is really tricky uh to to understand that. But but for me, the, the key piece of the toolbox is having a beta reader uh or, or an alpha reader who who has been well enough trained to be able to say, rather than I think you should get rid of this character, to say. I don't like what this character is doing. I don't like, uh, I don't feel like these two people would be friends. I don't think that their plan is the smart one. And I don't like reading about stupid people. You know, whatever. (laughs) You get them to say what it is that they are feeling so that I can step back and troubleshoot it and and find the core of the problem.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Agree. I think
2: this, that yes, this makes it extremely difficult to troubleshoot books that you're writing just on your own. I am exceedingly fortunate in that I have a, a couple of alpha readers, uh, Sandra Taylor and Bob Defendi, um, who I know how their opinions work. I know, and they know how writing works, and that's awesome. And uh, and they know how to tell me things in a way that I know what to fix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's.
0: Jump to our homework now. Zoraida, you have our homework.
4: We have our homework. I would like you to pick an ensemble story that you think failed and explain how you would have fixed it.
0: There you go. This is Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write.
3: Ahoy! Have you checked out the Writing Excuses 2022 cruise yet? We've got all the details about guests, dates, and destinations at writingexcusesretreat.com. This will be the 10th workshop we've done, and we'd love to have you join us. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson.